Thank you, guys. Good morning, and uh, wasn't that some good singing this morning? That last song just took it up a step, didn't it? And uh, the young man that's leading worship this morning, huh? Wow. Wow. Somebody say amen. If there's anything that we can say, well, there's a lot that we can say. But that's so hopeful that children are understanding God's Word and they're following Jesus, and that's what they want to do with their life. I want to say a shout-out to, to uh, what's happening here throughout the week. Every day, a lot of our children who are homeschooled are here around the church, and they're getting not only education, but they're also getting the Word of God. Amen. And then last night, Avery comes and confesses Christ. Her family said she'd been talking about this for some time, and I don't mean to just call you out other than thank God for what God's Word and God's Spirit is doing, and we're so proud of you, sis. God bless you today. <laughs> Amen. You see, the Word of God is what we need in our world. The, the, the difference is, though, in some cases, we have the Word of God, but we don't really put it to use. I'm thinking about a guy that went to my church years ago, and he was a part of the church, but this guy had a problem experiencing the freedom that Jesus had purchased for him. There's a lot of people that can tell you something about the Word of God, but the, that they don't really live in freedom. And I remember one very sad event in this gentleman's life, and I had to be a part of it. And I was sitting in his front room with a whole lot of his family members. And when he came in from work, the family members looked at him and said, you've got two choices. You can either go to rehab or you must leave this house tonight. The man was addicted to cocaine. The man chose to leave his home. And I thought, how sad. And that is the case in so many places. And I thought, what in the world would make a person decide that the drug of choice or the alcohol or the illicit life that they're living, that they would choose that over the things that are really important? And I think today that I have the answer to that in my message. We're going to talk to you about what it looks like to fully recover. This will be our last in a series of messages here about 3D Life Recovery, the new recovery ministry that's going to be launching in December. We have training next Sunday night, 5 o'clock. And if you'd like to be a part of this ministry that I think is going to change Metropolis, come and be a part of it. It's based upon the idea of three Ds that God gave me many years ago from the book of Daniel. Decision plus discipline equals your destination. The point is, the person that you're going to be in 10 years is the person you're making that now. The person you're going to be in 20 years, you are developing that person right now. Did you ever know someone that when they got older, you didn't like being around them because they were just so mean? And you say, well, they wasn't that mean 20 years ago. Yeah, they were. They just could hide it better. I can attest to you that the older you get, the less energy you have. Right? 
And what's in the mind sometimes more quickly comes out of the mouth as you get older. So if you have a problem with the mouth now, you're going to be a terror someday. And you wonder why people would choose that. I'm going to say to you today, they choose that because they believe it is the right thing for their life. And I'll prove that today. I want to take you on a journey on what this would look like to experience full recovery. And I want to talk to you in introduction about what it looks like to say decision plus discipline equals destination. That's Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. Daniel decided in his heart he would not defile himself before God. He made a decision about who he wanted to be. You always start with the destination. If you want to learn how to play the piano, you have to decide, I'm going to have to learn to play this instrument. You can't just wake up one day and say, God, zap me with the gift of piano. It doesn't work like that. If you're going to be a, an ungodly person, it's not very hard to get to that destination. All you have to do is disobey God and ignore correction, and you'll be there. I remember teaching school in Tennessee years ago. And some of the students that were there, I looked at them, and all I could picture in my mind was someday you will be behind bars because you're not going to ever respond to authority. And I was right. You can't just ignore authority forever. Eventually, they come after you. And they bring other people with them. And they're bigger than you. People say, well, I'm never going to... Uh, you know, I'm never going to acknowledge authority. You will someday. Some people that don't want to get, some children that don't want to do their homework today, well, they'll have someone tell them what time they can eat, what time they can do things. That will happen. If you want to be a godly person, you have to decide that now, too. If you want to have a godly marriage, good marriage, you've got to decide that. You've got to have the destination first. You decide the destination, then you say, okay, this is what it's going to take to do it. Good place to start with a marriage is if you say, I do to your spouse, you say, I don't to everyone else. Does that make sense? Would anybody stand before the minister? And if the one you're marrying says, I'll stay with you until I get a better deal. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? But does it make sense that I can live in an ungodly way today and someday decide, oh, I'm going to be a godly person later? No, you're not. Everybody says, I'll do it tomorrow. Can I tell you how many diets I started tomorrow? Just one last Krispy Kreme, then I'm done. See, tomorrow turns into today. If you're going to get anywhere, you have to decide today. That's what the basis of the 3D life recovery is. And you have to decide about your destination. If you want to be an addict, you don't have to try very hard to be one. And if you want to be an ungodly person, you don't have to try very hard. You can be one. But if you're going to live in freedom, you're going to have to make a decision. And that's what we want to talk about. When it comes to 3D life recovery, step one, you start with the destination. And let me give you three of the principles that we're going to use in our life recovery ministry. And I want to tell you something. You might say, well, that's not for me. This is for anybody that struggles with hurts, habits, or hang-ups. It doesn't matter. You say, I don't have an addiction. You might. Did you ever notice that people who have addictions don't know that they have addictions? That's called denial. Did you realize uh, that young man that walked in that, that, that house that day, as far as he was concerned, he didn't have a problem. It was everybody else around him. Isn't that the way it works? 
If you notice that people are jumping out of the way to get away from you when you're walking up the hall, it might not be their problem. It might be you. Somebody says there's a jerk in every crowd. And if you can't figure out who it is, it might be you. You see, denial is something that's in us. We don't like to really take good hard looks at ourselves. But if you're going to actually recover, you're going to have to take a good hard look at you. Now, when I preach this message, there'll be things that I say today that some of you might be tempted to say, man, I hope she's listening to this. And you might say, that sure is good for that person over there. But here's what we want to do. We want to take what we're talking about and apply it to us today. And I want to give you some principles. And these 3D life recovery principles are good. They're going to be things that can grow anybody. If you want a better destination, come be a part of us. Come be a part of what God is doing here. I can see one day that we'll have this organized and working, and we've got so many things planned. I'll just be honest with you this morning. I've wanted all my ministry to be able to work and organize an in-house treatment place so that people who want a second chance could have one. And I'm not sure God's not giving that to us. Would you all be willing to pray with me about that? Don't you think that'd be good? Do you think that'd be better than the revolving door of the, of the jail? When people come in and go out, they come back. They go out, they come back. They go out. Don't you think that'd work better? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we're the church. We got the Word of God. When we use the Word of God and we work together, good outcomes happen. We don't have to look at our town and say, well, it's just a, it's just a lost cause. That's what got us in the mess in the first place. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. And that's what we want. So what we're going to do is we're going to put it like this. We start with our destination. Let me give you an example. The destination that we'll talk about today is, is the destination called freedom. It's called freedom. Notice what the principle is. I think we can put it on the board here. Believing that Jesus has given me a new life, I will live by his grace free from my past guilt, shame, or bondage to sin. Does that not look like a good place to live? Y'all have to think about that a minute? Doesn't that look like a good place to live? Anybody deal with their past? Anybody deal with guilt? Anybody deal with shame? Anybody deal with bondage of sin? Jesus didn't give us that type of life. He gave us freedom from that kind of life. You see, guilt and shame are things that people deal with all the time. And there's a difference in guilt and shame. Guilt has to do with what you did. Shame has to do with who you are. Can I tell y'all something? Don't, look at it. Don't ever look at some other person created in the image of God and say, shame on you. Shame is personal. And shame is something no one can deal with. No one can live with shame. Now, when it comes to guilt, the Holy Spirit convicts me of guilt, and maybe my brothers can show me where I'm wrong, but then I confess my guilt, and I confess my sin, and Jesus Christ cleanses me of my sin but I'm not ever going to be shamed. I will never be ashamed. The Bible says, whoever trusts in the Lord will never be put to shame. Freedom. What's the scripture? John 8, 36. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So in 3D Life Recovery and in Life Church today, we present to you freedom. Does anybody want it? Now the destination has to go to a decision. Step two. Based on the de destination, you make a decision. The decision is called acceptance. Look at this. Let's put the scripture up. Or let's put the principle up. Believing that God loves me. 
I will accept his love for me and will avoid the pain of self-rejection and comparison to other people. Does anybody know what that means? Does anybody ever deal with stuff like that? Self-rejection, comparison to other people. That is huge in our world today. That happens everywhere. I wish I had that life. I wish I looked like this. I wish I had their money. I wish I had their situation. And instead of just accepting the fact that God loves us just like we are. So for me to get where I need to be, I need to accept God's love for me. You see, it's one thing to say I believe God loves everyone. It's another thing for me to say God loves me. And God loves me and I can accept that he made me and that he made me like I am. And I'm not shamed. I'm not inferior. I'm just one of his children and he's given me unique gifts, unique purposes. And then as I learn to receive his acceptance, I can give it to others. So you say, okay, that's what I want. I want freedom. I want to quit trying to be somebody else. I want to quit trying to, to numb the pain of life. I want to quit living in my guilt and my shame and my fear and my past. So I accept, God, your love for me. You do love me. You've changed me. You've saved me. I'm going toward my destination. But you know what? Between decision and destination, there's another D. It's called discipline. What discipline do we have to, to add? It's going to be what I'm going to preach about today, the discipline of honesty. Say honesty. Now, what does that mean? Let's put it up on the board. What's the, the, what's the, dis, uh, the discipline of honesty? Look at this. Knowing that lying is the foundation of my destructive behavior. You might not believe that to be true, but I'll prove that today. I will ask God and my life coach to help me to be honest with myself and others. That right there is huge. Honesty is huge because the enemy of all recovery is the lie. The thing that kept my friend in his addiction was the lie. The thing that will keep you in sin is the lie. The thing that will keep any situation in chaos is the lie. The lie has been around ever since the devil's been on this earth. And I want to teach you a little bit about what this looks like. And I hope that today we can figure out that it's time for us to be honest with ourselves. It's really easy for us to be honest about other people. <laughs> I can see someone else's faults all day long, but I fail to notice my own. And it's those things in us that keep us in our chaos. In recovery ministries, we call this denial. There's nothing wrong with me. It's everybody else. That's a good recipe for destruction. So I will ask God and my life coach to help me to be honest with myself and others. I need to be honest. Let me give you some examples of this. By way of introduction, let me set out the message about honesty. And the message is called, Let's Be Honest. A week ago, I was at my mother's house visiting with my mom and dad. And my sister was there. And her phone rang. And she, said, she looked at it and said, It says Jamaica. Now, Something about me, I like robocalls when there's a person on the other end because I answer in Spanish. And they try to talk to me, and I just keep talking back to them in Spanish. I just have a good time with it. It's, it's a little, not as much fun anymore because you don't get a real person sometimes. But in this case, there was a real person. 
And they were talking, and I was talking, and he, he just stuttered all over life trying to figure out. He, he figured out a phrase or something trying to get me to talk, and I just kept talking to him. In my theory, maybe they won't call back, but I don't think that works very well. Come to find out, I think Robin got the same calls. I think it was you, wasn't it? And she sent me the recorded message of this call. It's coming from Jamaica. By the way, if you get a call from Jamaica, let me just help you what it is. It's Publisher's Clearinghouse. And you have won $750,000. All you got to do is send your credit card and your social security number and your bank account. And they'll deposit it right into your account. How many of y'all believe that? Many years ago, they didn't do it like that. I got a letter through the mail. It was from a widow from Nigeria. And she had inherited millions of dollars and wanted to help my ministry. I'm like, praise God, I'm going to be a millionaire. All I had to do was give them my credit card and things like that. You see, we all know now that that's a lie. It's not the truth. If I really thought I was getting $750,000, I'd feel pretty happy about that. But I don't really think it is because I know it's a lie. But you know, there's a lot of people that think they got $750,000 of life because they're going after the lie, and the lie is only going to destroy you. You know what's going to happen? If you give them your Social Security number, if you give them your credit card number, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to give you anything. They're going to take from you. And while I'm at it, for all of those Maybe seniors that aren't real savvy when it comes to this kind of stuff. The IRS will never call you like that. Nobody will ever call you. Never give out your personal information to anybody. And if you're not sure what's going on, call the church. Call one of us. We'll work with you. Because I don't want anybody messing with my seniors. That makes sense? Because the lie is prevalent. Now, so this thing is happening, and it's been happening since the beginning. I want to read to you some scripture, and I want you to notice as we read the scripture how often the lie comes up. Do you remember Adam and Eve? They were created by God. They were put into the, to the garden, and God said to them, you can eat of all the trees of, uh, that are here in the Garden of Eden. Do you all remember that? But there is one in the middle. You don't eat that tree. And God said, if you eat it, what's going to happen? You're going to, and y'all can talk back to me, okay? This is okay. I know it's Sunday morning and you may have not had enough coffee yet. But if you eat it, you're going to what? You're going to die. So we got the story playing out and we find Eve is over here next to the tree. Now, odd thing about that is if God said stay away from this tree and don't eat of it, it seems logical to me that we won't go around the tree. Let me give you a little side note. If you don't want to fall back into the sinful patterns you've been in, stay away from the thing that drops you in. That makes sense? If you have a problem with alcohol, don't go to Roadhouse and sit at the bar. Just common sense, isn't it? If you have a problem with, with drug use, don't go to the drug house. Don't hang out with them and say, well, I'm trying to help them. No, you're not. You're setting yourself up for failure. Make sense to you? Here's Eve. She's sitting here looking at this tree, looking at it. James says everyone is tempted when they are drawn away from their own lust and enticed. 
And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. L-S-D. There it is. Lust, sin, death. Go ahead. Hang around it. Look at it. Think about it. That's what the devil does. So Eve, she's over here. And this is what happens. She begins to talk to the devil. Don't try to reason with the devil. The only thing you can do with the devil is hit him with the word of God. That's it. The serpent said to the woman, Genesis chapter 3, you surely will not die. Now, was that truth? For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Was that true? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, uh uh-oh, she saw that it was good. Anybody seeing the pattern here? That it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from it and ate from, from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. You know what happened here? There was freedom. There was freedom in the garden. Somebody'd say, Well, it's not freedom if you can't eat of one tree. Are you kidding me? God said you can have all of it. Stay away from one. You know, why did he do that? Because he's God. Say, well, why couldn't I eat of that tree? Because God said, don't eat it. Pretty simple. All of this, you got all of this. They had freedom. Here comes the lie. You know what else now? They have shame. They knew they were naked. They knew something was wrong. They ran from God. They, They tried to cover themselves up. We've been doing that forever. People live in shame. They try to cover up things. They put substances in their brain. They live immoral lives doing anything they can to cover up this shame thing. Running and never finding it. Point number one today, the author of the lie is the devil. Every time you tell a lie, you're singing in the devil's choir. Well, it's partly the truth. If it's partly the truth, then it's completely a lie. Amen, preacher. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. (laughs) That's pretty strong, isn't it? He was talking to religious leaders who lived in the lie, and he said, you're just like the devil. And he said, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Oh, it's just a little white lie. No, it's a big, bad demonic, devilish lie. Somebody said a lie is a present help in a time of trouble. I've never seen anybody get helped with a lie. Have you? I'm sure maybe you were taught as a child, if you tell one lie, you have to tell two or three more to cover it up, right? And then when you tell more and more and more, you know what happens? You forget what the truth is. I am convinced today that there are people that live in Metropolis and on the national stage that have told so many lies that they don't even know what the truth is anymore. And say what you will, if a national figure is lying, he is speaking from the standpoint of the devil. There is no righteous lying. Nowhere. The devil is the author of the lie. Well, let's look at the anatomy. What, is the li- what does it look like on the inside? There's a few things about it. And this is in your notes. The anatomy of the lie, it is a distortion of truth. It's a distortion. Lies are distorting. 
when Satan came to talk to Eve, he intimated to Eve that God was withholding something good from them. Remember when he said, well, God knows that when you do this, something good's going to happen. That's the same lie he tells to you. If you do this action, you need to because if you don't, you're not going to get the good stuff. God's just a killjoy. He's trying to take good things away from you. It's a distortion. Not only that, but it's a detraction from the truth. You know what he said? God says, if you eat of this, you'll die. Satan says, you're not going to die. Pastor Brian says, if you continue to live this way, you're going to die. Satan says, you're not going to die. The truth about addictions, and I'm going to talk about addictions a minute. With addictions, you have three choices. You either sober up or you end up locked up. And if that's not enough, you end up covered up. There's no other choice. It's not a matter of if it kills you. It's when. No other choice. Well, Pastor Brian says that. Satan says, you're not going to die. In fact, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Satan just turns it around. You ever notice how darkness does that? It turns it around. The lie is the truth, and the truth is the lie. Does this sound like where we're living today? Makes my head spin around. It's like lies are just everywhere, and folks are just like, <laughs> they just believe it. The lie is the truth. The truth is the lie. Satan says, you're not going to die. It's going to be okay. Not only is it a detraction, but it's a dilution of the truth. Satan will take a little bit of truth and add it to the lie. A little bit of truth. Um, if you do this, you will be accepted by the people you want to be accepted by. A little bit of truth. Maybe you are accepted but that acceptance, if it's been accepted by people of the lie, you're going to find out that that acceptance is no place to be. Because when you get to the end of yourself and the addiction is overcoming you to the point that you can't function, your good time buddies will be nowhere around you. Satan's desire is not to help you. His desire is to kill you. Satan told Eve, he said, well, you know... You're going to know good and evil. Yeah, they ended up knowing good and evil, but was that worth it? Do you know that Satan will put a little bit of truth with the lie to get you hooked on it and move it? Why, this little thing, it's not bad for you. I've heard that so much. Oh, this is not too bad. This is not, oh, I can just do this. Do you ever notice people that have problems, you know, maybe they have a problem drinking or something and, and they, they, they say they want to get better and I talk to them, say they come in to talk to me and I said, did you drink last night? And they say, yeah, I had one beer. It's the same story. It's always one. It's a real powerful one, but it's always one. You notice how they do that? They don't tell you the whole truth. They never just come out and say, yeah, I had two or three fifths last night. They never say that. I never had as much as they say. And why in the world do they think they have to lie? If what you're doing is the truth and it's okay, why are you lying about it? Did you ever notice that? I mean, if you've got to cover up your activity, you might have an inward witness that something's wrong. Amen. Well, I don't want nobody to find out why. 
You don't want God to find out? That's just like Adam and Eve. I think I'll sow fig leaves and I'll run and hide. When God comes around, I'm going to hide. Nobody's ever going to find me. God knows your address. He knows where you hang out. And the good thing is, he doesn't want to kill you. He wants to redeem you from this mess. Isn't that good? Not only that, but it's deception. The Bible says she saw that it was good. Full-blown deception. I am accepting the lie, and it brings death. They were cast out of the garden. How does it work? Usually works like this. The activity of it looks like this. It's offered. You see, Satan offers the lie. We kind of look at it, and we're attracted to the lie, but Satan offers it. And when it's offered, then it's believed. Once it's believed, it's lived out. Once it's lived out, it's protected. I mean, some people have that lie inside of them, and it's protected. No one's going to talk to me about this. And I'm not ever going to admit my problem. And that's what keeps us in the destruction. It's destructive. What props it up anyway? What is it about us that we don't want to get honest about things? Have you ever noticed that? We can be in here and read the Word of God, and as we're reading the Word of God or hearing the preaching of God, instead of us looking inside and saying, man, that's me, sometimes we have a tendency to say, that's got to be for somebody else out here. We can immediately think about somebody else who needs to apply that Word, but rarely do we get to the place where we say, this is really me, it's really my problem. And the only thing that's really going to help your life is when you get to the, honest to the place where you say, it's me, this is my problem. We protect it. And until we can be honest, we can't confess our sins because how can you confess your sin if you're not honest with your sin? I've heard people say, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I do these, old, these things and they almost glorify sin. That's not confession. In 1 John 1, 9, you can write that in your notes. I want every person to know 1 John 1, 9 because that's where John says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of all of it. It doesn't matter what it is. If you'll confess it to God, he'll forgive it. Now, the word confess in the Greek is the Greek word homologeo, and it means same speak. Here's what it means. God says your sin is serious. You confess, yes, God, it is serious. It's me. And when you do that, God says, I got you covered. And when God covers you, guess what? You don't have to live in that shame. Man, there's a way I lived in my 20s that I never think about now. You know why? God's got it covered. But if you're not honest, you'll never confess your sin. If you're not honest, you're never going to repent. How are you going to repent when you don't have anything to repent for because you won't be honest about what's wrong with you? It is absolutely useless for me to repent for somebody else. I can't repent for you. I can only deal with what's in my heart. What props it up anyway? What props up the lie? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think uh, there's some fear. We think maybe God's mad at us. Maybe because we've been shamed so much in society that we think God would shame us. I got news for you. There's not anything that you can confess before God today that God wouldn't say, I got it covered. You don't have to be ashamed. Man, we're so, 
like that. You know, when we compare ourselves to other people, well, I'm not as good a Christian as they are, or I'm not as good a person as they are, and I failed, and they didn't fail, and I failed. You don't know their life. All you do is come before God, say, God, here I am. I have sinned. I'm thinking about Isaiah. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, he said, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his temple filled the whole earth, and the cherubim were saying, holy, holy, holy. Then I realized, listen to me, y'all, Isaiah 6. He said, I realized that, that I, I'm, uh, he said, I'm, woe is me, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, when that happened, God took a tongue from the altar with fire and cleansed his lip just that quickly. And then he heard God say, who will go with for me? And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. The reason why God's not sending some of us is because we've never seen the Lord to that point and we've never confessed our sin. But if we'll get honest today, God will cleanse us. I don't care if it's unclean lips, unclean mind, unclean hands, unclean life. Ladies and gentlemen, God can do it because Jesus paid it all. I think it's fear. I think it's a hard heart. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes we just are willingly ignorant to the truth. One thing that I think I want to do in the future is I want to teach our young people how to think because I think for generations now we've sent our children off to universities who instead of educating them have indoctrinated them. I want to teach people how to think. Guys, think. Young people, think. Use your brain. Stay in the Word of God and think. God will show you. Don't just accept somebody's truth. That gets people in trouble. It causes death. I think the love of sin, the love of self, pride gets in the way. Anybody ever heard of narcissism? Probably relatively few people in the world would say, yep, 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 I'm a narcissist. Do you ever notice that? Do you think other people don't know that you are? Yep. But there's something about us that says, I don't want to be honest with myself. I want to stay in that. The lie keeps us in trouble. Let me give you some scripture. Look here. Let's put it up here. Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Do you see that? Take a good hard look at that. This is the Apostle Paul talking about society. And he's talking about people that he says walked away from God. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Whenever anyone says, well, I know this is what the Bible says, but we've got to do something different. That is exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And there's no good outcomes. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Blake, we could preach on that all day, couldn't we? In other words, we're going to give in to the whims of society because we don't want to offend people. We're worshiping the creature rather than the creator. He's the one that made us. He's the one that decides what the truth is. See, truth is not even just, a, just a, a, an ideal. Truth is a person. Jesus alone said, I am the truth. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is, God, who is blessed forever. Amen. Do you know where this ends up? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Leave that up there a second. Go back to that last screen. Thank you. You're awesome up there, guys. Deception of wickedness is in those who perish. When you are living the lie, you are part of the ones that are going to perish. And he says, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. When you, listen to me, when you harden your heart against the truth, you run the risk of the day coming when God says, you want the lie, I'll give you over to the lie. Put the next verse up there. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. That's tough, isn't it? That lie is not your friend, y'all. That lie is what Satan's using to destroy you, our town, our state, and our country. And I don't want to stand for it no more. Amen. Amen. It's got to start with me. And when it comes to you, it's got to start with you. Let me give you a few thoughts for your notes. And I hope you never forget these principles. First, the road from freedom to shame is paved with the lie. The road from freedom to shame is paved with the lie. That would make sense then. The road from shame to freedom is paved with the truth. Secondly, behind every sin is a lie that I'm believing. When you sin, you're believing a lie. Third, the lie is foundational to every dysfunction in my life. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. That's the foundation to stand on. Well, my life is dysfunctional. You know what your foundation is? It's not the solid rock. It's the shifting sands of the lie. The lie is foundational to every dysfunction in my life. Next, the lie will keep you from the truth. Therefore, it robs you of your freedom. Oh, Pastor Brian, I'm just going to be willingly ignorant. Then you will not experience freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you what? Free. The lie props up the sin, which takes down life. So here we are today. Let's be honest. Is your life full of chaos today? Do you need some recovery today? Do you need to confess something before God today? Do you need to confess your sin? Do you need to repent of something today? Well, let's get honest. Maybe you need to be saved today. I tell you what happened last night. Our little sister confessed the truth. She confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And confessing that truth brought salvation to her life. And today we can do the same. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how shameful you feel. I want you to know Jesus loves you. And it is not his desire that you stay where you are. Jesus is calling you out of shame today. But you're going to have to be honest. 
Our action step is from John chapter 8, and I'm going to ask my band to get ready to sing for us. We're going to have a time of prayer together. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus is speaking to people like us who live in denial and chaos and sold out to sinful patterns, behaviors, and we're dangerously close to rejecting the truth of God. And Jesus comes and says, if you want to be free, you can be free. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're going to be free. I want to testify today. That Life Academy is in God's Word every day. And last night, a young lady named Avery had received that Word, continued in that Word, confessed Christ as Savior, and now freedom has come to her life. And that today, if you will stay in the Word of God, if you will confess the Word of God, if you'll place the Word of God in your life and honestly approach the Word of God, freedom is on the horizon. Amen. There's freedom in Jesus Christ, guys, because Jesus paid it all. It's a scripture in the New Testament, and I can't recall it where it is at the moment, but let me say this. It says that Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what that means? Can we be real honest? Don't raise your hand, but I just want to talk to everybody. Have you ever felt shame in your life? Have you ever felt it? The Bible says the shame that you felt was put on Jesus. The shame that we feel was put on him. He took it to the ground. He got up and left it there. And now when we confess him, you know what he does? He gives us what's in him. That's his righteousness. We exchange it. We exchange our shame for his righteousness. He paid it all. He purchased it. But you're never going to get it in denial. You're never going to get better without being honest. Continue in God's word. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. Live by the truth. Experience freedom. Because ladies and gentlemen... Real and true recovery is freedom in Christ. Anybody want to be free today? Is it possible to be saved and be drawn back into a life of bondage? Of course it is. All we got to do is make some bad decisions and start lying to ourselves. We can find ourselves back in those patterns. I want you to know today that if you'll confess your sin before God today, Jesus will cleanse it and Jesus will change you today.